Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Okay, what is up, guys? How is it going? Raise your hand if you've been to one of these before. Raise your hand if you've never been to one of these before. I was like, are you waving at somebody or are you raising your hand? You've been here before. Okay, guys. I am so excited for this. So hyped. So stoked. It's been a while. I've lost, like, my touch. I threw off my own groove by leaving. So I promise we will. No, just kidding. I'm going to keep leaving. But we're going to do this more consistently, I swear. Okay. So to get started, for those of you guys who haven't been here who don't know, this is Nate Clark. Nate Clark is a legend. Nate Clark. Nate Clark. I mix it with Hitch because Nate Clark is better than Hitch. He is a dating coach. He helps people with the communication side and like understanding how to really to talk to people, what to say and when. That's really bold of him because that's the kind of coaching that I would never want to do. That would be terrifying. But it's so fun. Let's face it, dating is like all we ever talk about. <laughs> and it's so fun to talk about. And my name is Peter Compton. I am so stoked. I, I have a coaching company. I help people with anxiety, depression, OCD, all of that kind of stuff. So Nate likes to talk about the social norms. Nate likes to talk about the communication. I get so hyped when talking about the psychology, understanding how the mind works, what's actually happening deep down when we're talking about relationships. What's going on, right? What are people actually thinking? Why do they act the way that they act? Why do they do what they do? And so today, we're talking about a subject that I think everybody can relate to to some degree, and that is pickiness in dating. Right? Whether you feel that you've been too picky or somebody has told you you've been too picky. Raise your hand if anyone's ever told you that. Woo! <laughs> yeah. We're on the same page then. <laughs> right? Okay. So to get started, I want to direct your attention to this lovely drawing that I did of some mountains. Right? I don't know what it is, but for me, mountains are, have always represented somewhere that I want to go. They represent the goal. Right? They represent what I'm striving for. When I look up and I see the peak of a mountain, like Mount Tipinogos or Mount Everest or whatever it might be. I've never been to Mount Everest. It's fine. But you get what I'm saying. This is where I want to go. That's what I want to achieve. And when we're talking about this, I want you to keep some things in mind. And that's vision. Right? There are like four different definitions of vision. One of them's a superhero, and the other ones are all about the same, right? One, one is the ability to see somewhere. We can see across the park, so because we can see with our eyes, we can see James over there, we could walk over there, right? Because we can see across the park, then we could walk over there. With our eyes, that communicates somewhere where we are not currently where we could achieve, right? When speaking about vision when it comes to goals, the vision in our minds, where we're trying to achieve, where we're striving to get, right? That is another type of vision. And then there's the visions like the first vision and all of that kind of stuff. And that's awesome, right? And then there's the superior. We're going to be talking about two of them, right? The superior. No, we're going to be talking about having a vision where you can see across a way, you can see somewhere else, and you know you could get there. When you define a goal, then you start moving in that direction. 
Every single time. That's how that works. Could you turn my mic upside? I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> I'm yelling anyway. Um, there we go. Okay, so let's say in this scenario, because we're talking about dating, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about connection, let's say the goal is to have a healthy, happy, awesome, stellar, phenomenal relationship. Right? We're talking about having a great relationship, so put that as the goal. In between where you guys are, not you two, actually, literally only not these two. <laughs> where you guys are seated versus where the goal is, there's something right in between, and that's called limiting beliefs. Right? Limiting beliefs and fears. If you have a goal, whatever that goal might be, the goal might be a healthy, happy, stellar, awesome, amazing relationship. It might be to start a business. It might be to just have better finances. It might be to get through college without swearing. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like whatever the goal might be, right? There will be limiting beliefs that come in between you and that goal, right? And as we start moving, as we start moving, we start making progress. We start like, let's say, we're going to use the example of a healthy, happy, awesome, stellar relationship. How do I say that in the same order every time? That's wild. <laughs> as we start moving in that direction, and we start meeting people, or we meet somebody specific, and we're like, hold up, like, this person's actually really cool, and like, we jive really well, and like, the chemistry's there, and they're beautiful, and like, we're going the same places, that's so cool, right? And so we start going, and then as soon as we cross the threshold in which limiting belief says, you can't go farther, you can't do much more, you have to stop right there, then somehow, some way, it turns us around, right? And we start digressing. How many times have you or a friend been in a position in which things are great? He's a great guy. She's a great girl. Things are awesome. I just don't know what it was. What happened? Oh, I don't know. Like Things just fell off. How many have heard that phrase or said that phrase? Things just feel off. I don't really know what it is. It's just, it's not there. It's not quite there, right? And it's because you've crossed the threshold. Your limiting beliefs are now saying, hold up, go back, stop where you're at, because this is dangerous territory, right? Limiting beliefs could be things like relationships equate to pain, right? How many of you have ever had a painful relationship or a painful experience during a relationship? Raise your hands with pride, like, you're not alone. <laughs> How many of you ever, have you ever witnessed someone that you care about in your family or a close friend experience pain because of a relationship? Super common, right? And you can see why it would be so easy for that to become a belief that, like, oh, romantic relationships equal pain, right? Um, and right now, we're kind of just listing a lot of limiting beliefs. A little bit later, we're going we're gonna to attack them and just the pieces. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's one of the, big, the first big ones. Um, another one was that uh, we've got a fear of heartbreak, right? That could be another limit that we hit where we're like, ah, turn around the car, I'm not going to the mountain, right? Um, that could be another one, a fear, a fear of another possible breakup after we've already experienced one. Um, so there's, there's the first two. Um, let's see, fear of losing a friend. How many of you have ever experienced, like, Okay, maybe this is just me. I don't know if this is just me. This is a hard one for me. Because friendship is like the most important thing in the world to me. Friendship over everything. I'm like loyal, man. I'm like my dog. Okay? I'm like, <laughs> just kidding. Hopefully I'm not that needy. I love you, Ellie. 
But no, like I take friendships very, very seriously. And so when I'm dating somebody or like, let's say I've got a best friend. I'm like, this person's like my best friend. Everybody's like, you married your best friend? I'm like, oh my. And it scares me because I'm like, you know, if I move forward with a best friend, then suddenly they're not going to be my friend anymore, right? They're going to be something else. And the odds of it working out are kind of slim. How many times has it worked out for me? <laughs> it only takes once. <laughs> it only takes once. But it's not if, it's when. Thanks. Okay. I got you. <laughs> so, uh, another big one that I was just um, seeing on the notes there, which is huge for a lot of people, is the fear of losing freedom. That could be a limit, right? Where it's like, there's certain aspects of your single life that you really enjoy. Coming and going as you please, right? Staying out as long as you, as long as you want a night. Um, there's your if you guys ever experienced that a little bit. Like, shoot, like getting married, that's a big commitment, right? Um, that's another one. Right. What other beliefs? How? How? Are there any beliefs that you guys have had come to mind that we haven't listed? Can anybody think of one? What's come to your mind? You almost raised your hand. Yeah, dude. Okay. Well, cool. That's this is the whole seminar, so we'll get to that one. That's, <laughs> a, that's a big chunk of tonight, and that one's got its own name, actually. Yep. Yeah. We'll it, get to it. We'll get to it. It's good. <laughs> anybody else? Yeah. Right. Whether it's like, like the chemistry of like of uh, of personalities meshing really well, where it's just like, oh, it's fun, talk to you, right? Or there's a physical aspect, the spark there. Both of which, so important. Those are those are both. I would put those in the must have section when we get to this. Those are both way important. Okay, so we're gonna jump into something really really quick, and we're gonna talk about why this happens. Right? How many of you ever wanted something and not gotten it? Raise your hand. How many of you ever needed something and not gotten it? Right? So, if I, let's say I want to have a stellar, happy, fantastic, amazing, incredible relationship. That was a messed up order. But it's fine. It's the same words. Okay. If I want, I want this relationship so bad. And I want it, and I'm going to stay in my room, and I'm going to want it as hard as I can. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do everything I can. What's going to happen? I'll be a lonely boy. <laughs> it's not going to work. Just because you want something doesn't make it so. If you want to have a happy relationship, that doesn't make it happen. right? If you want to have a fantastic business, you can't just want to have a fantastic business. You have to do something about it. If you want to have a fantastic job, you have to do something about it. Right? What if I need something? Right? What if I need to have, let's say, oh, I don't know, let's say a million dollars in an endowment fund to make our nonprofit work? I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> right? Thank you. We needed this. We needed it. And guess what? As bad as we needed it, it didn't happen. Right? Because just because you want something and just because you need something doesn't make it so. You don't get what you want. You don't get what you need. But you will always get what you expect. Right? What is the difference between those two examples and somebody that wakes up every single day that's hyped? They're like, I don't know what's going to happen today, but it's going to be great. I don't know what's going to happen today, but it's going to work out. Right? They're striving to make this business. And they're like, I don't know, but I'm so hyped about it. I expect to make a million dollars. I expect to bless people's lives. I expect to have an awesome, fantastic, stellar, amazing relationship. Right? 
The difference between somebody who wants those things and doesn't do and the person who expects that is that the person who expects it and lives appropriately is going to make it happen. I keep getting so excited. Come on, let's go. Can I jump in for a second here? Probably not. (laughs) So the limiting beliefs we have over here, um, this is a big deal. What Peter just explained happens right here when we hit the limit, right? And it's like, oh, I never really expected that I would end up here anyway. What I did expect is that I would probably panic and run into some of these fears. Or I expected the relationship to be painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so in reality, there's two different zones, which you're all familiar with, right? There's the comfort zone, and there's the growth zone. (laughs) Here they are, right here in the analogy. And our one goal tonight, the one piece of value that we want to offer where, you know, even if you never hear about us again and you never come to another seminar, is this. We want to help you understand some tools, some principles that can help all of us get rid of these things. Get rid of these limiting beliefs and have a free ticket past them straight on to the blessings God wants to give us. The blessings God's already showering down upon us, like that one inspirational video that the church put out with uh, the umbrella, right? God's raining down blessings already, but we put up umbrellas, and they're called limiting beliefs. Why do miracles cease among men? Your your favorite chapter in the whole book, Mormon? It's because of unbelief. We're just talking about this. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Okay. So, as you're progressing towards whatever goal it might be, and I'm trying to apply this to so many different things, I should keep it focused on relationships. That's what this is about, right? But as we're progressing towards what we actually want... There will come a time when suddenly, out of nowhere, we feel like something's off. We're like, I don't know what it is. And odds are, it's not that it's wrong, because remember from the last seminar, for those who were there, if you weren't, go listen to the podcast, because we record all these and we put them on, right? It's not an answer from God when you start feeling anxiety about a relationship. When you start feeling anxious, odds are it's a limiting belief, because God does not inspire the spirit of fear, Right? So as you start moving forward, as soon as you cross that day, there's always something. There's something that happens, and you're like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed, but I just feel off. Just know that's what hap- that's what's happening. We're going to dive deeper into that just a little bit later on. But today we're going to be talking about exactly the limiting belief that was brought up, and it's called, actually we'll say it this way. Have you heard of the fear of missing out? Right? They call it FOMO. You talked Christopherson referenced it in a talk, and so now it's doctrine. Today we're going to be talking about something called FOMO, which is the fear of missing out on a better option, or the fear of missing out on a better opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And this is huge. Uh, It's huge for a lot of us, especially here in Utah Valley. Um, Why? Well, maybe it's because there's two giant colleges right next to each other, and there's a ton of social things going on. And a lot of really attractive Christians all over the place, right? You're all beautiful! Right. <laughs> and so it's easy for us to, you know, meet someone, things start to progress, and it's like, yeah, but who am I going to meet at the next party, right? And so that's something that totally happens, and it's kind of stopped happening for a little bit, if you notice, during the quarantine. There was a lot of marriages that happened. I wonder if those two things are correlated. I don't know, but it's like all of a sudden people are like, well, these are the only people around. I'm not going to be meeting anybody for another... 14 days to flatten the curve, so... Plus, we're going to save a lot of money if we get married now, right? <laughs> and that's what I have to invite anybody with a lot of people. 
So anyway, um, it's a real thing. This fear of missing out on a better option, and it's definitely related to this worry that maybe we're being too picky. So that's one of the things we're going to, to, to kind of tackle after we tackle the first limiting beliefs that we listed. The first one being the limiting belief that relationships equal pain. And so here's the question. Do they? Do they really? Let's talk about it a little bit. <laughs> Esther's face, she's like, well, you know. Okay, so to, to answer this question, I'm going to take you back, what have been, I'm going to take you back about 12 hours, right, to the gym this morning, right, in which I was lifting, and I was doing what I could, and I was trying so hard, and after I finished lifting, it was just one of those, I'm like, <laughs> and my friend that I was lifting with, she looks at me, she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing, it just, that hurt. And she's like, yeah, it's supposed to. And I'm like, <laughs> getting outlifted by a girl. Anyway, it happens. She's tough. She could beat me up. If you're listening to this, I know you wouldn't. Anyway, anyway, here's the thing, is that if I were to go to the gym, if I were to walk into a gym, and they handed me an ice cream cone and a, like a bowl of popcorn, gave me a chair, started a movie. Then you didn't go to the gym. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> Where am I? Like, how did this? How did this? Happen? That's not why I go to the gym. I don't go to the gym to relax. I don't go to the gym to have ice cream. I go to the gym to work, right? And there's a phrase in the gym in the gym that says, "No pain, no gain." No gain, right? So it's He's important. Not, yeah, really, I'm proud of you. We make a good team for a podcast. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the guest speakers every time. <laughs> okay, but no, it's important to recognize that guess what? Not all pain is bad pain, right? If I'm going to the gym, I want to push till it hurts just a little bit. Julia, you went to the gym for the first time in a little bit, right? <laughs> are you feeling sore? Yeah, a, a little bit. Same, right? That's important. That's a good thing. And the thing is, is that sometimes I think God uses relationships, kind of like a gym. He kind of wants to push us a little bit. He kind of wants us to stretch ourselves. He kind of wants us to work hard. And he uses it as a school so that we can learn, so that we can grow, so that we can become something more and something better than we were before. Mind you, you can injure yourself at the gym, just like you can injure yourself in a relationship, right? If you get hurt at the gym, what do you do? James, what do you do? You rest for a bit, right? You take a break. You're like, I'm glad you said that because I was like, knowing James, he might be sad. I'd go anyway. <laughs> no, but if you get hurt at the gym and it's a serious injury, rest, take a break, take a step back, recuperate, and then go back to the gym, right? You don't blame the gym and be like, the gym is evil. The gym is awful. I hate the gym. I tried that once and I'm never going back. No. You just go back, you keep trying, you keep learning, and you keep growing. It's the same with relationships. There's, there's, and I'm not saying relationships need to be painful. I'm saying that sometimes there will be necessary moments of growth. And they're not necessarily the most comfortable things in the world. But they are important. And if you get hurt, take a break, heal, and then move back. You know what I mean? Like, not back to the same gym, though. <laughs> so, back to the question. Do relationships equal pain? No. Is growth an, as an aspect of relationships that comes along as an opportunity once in a while? Totally. 
Um, here's what relationships act, actually equal, though, because I was thinking about it. I was like, no, we've got to figure out what they equal. And if, I mean, God told us in the scriptures, Moses 139, right? Um, eternal life. And uh, what, what did he say? This is my work and my glory. Uh, to bring to pass the eternal life and the mortality of man. Relationships, when done God's way, lead, like, equal immortality and eternal life. What does that mean? Well, um, we've got Mosiah 2.41, right, Allison? You're the one that knew that one by heart. Uh, yeah, Mosiah 2.41, uh, a state of never-ending happiness. When relationships are done God's way, they equal a state of never-ending happiness. That's said twice, actually, in the Book of Mormon. Also in Alma 28.12, a state of never-ending happiness. That's what relationships equal. And for anyone listening to the podcast who don't recognize those scripture references, I will put the links in the description for you. Okay, um, the next one, fear of losing a friend. I'm going to tackle it because this is my least favorite thing in the world. <laughs> okay, no joke. Okay, i got to be honest with you. I don't like talking about most of the things that we talk about here. It's hard to, like, teach seminars and talk to people about something that I'm still going through. You know what I mean? Like, last time we were talking about heartbreaks, and I'm like, cool, Nate's found Allison. <laughs> 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 and it's just this moment of like, let me just dig through all of like the difficult things so that I can try and learn from it so that I can teach, you know what I mean? Let me go and study all these books on relationships and why they failed to try and help. And this is my least favorite thing, because I genuinely hate the thought of losing friends. I love my people, okay? Like if we're friends, like you better believe I'm going to be there for you. Para siempre, hombre, okay? You know what I mean? Like, Forever, um, man. Thank you. There's a interpretation. <laughs> I love my people. And so the fear of losing friends is a real one for me. And it was so scary. Every single time I've been like, I don't know. Like, I could probably make things happen with this girl, but we probably won't get married. And why risk a potential relationship at the risk of, like, a great friendship? You know what I mean? That's always been the scariest thing in the world. That's been the scariest thing in the world. So I just friends on every single girl I go on dates. <laughs> this is healthy. Okay. <laughs> no, but there was a time I was talking, well, I talked to lots of people, and they're like, they're like, yeah, but guess what? As soon as you like find somebody and the other, your friend who's a girl finds somebody, you can't hang out. You're like, I know that's not the point. That's not the point, okay? Like I've got some great friends who happen to be girls. Who I happen to be crazy close with, they get married, and guess what? I'm still way close to them. Do I hang out with them every day? No, because I understand that things are different. I get it. I won't hang out with them unless the guy's there. I get the rules. I understand, and I I think they're very, very important, right? I want to respect everybody's space, but it never really helped. There was this time I was talking to my dad, and he was like, he was like, you know, if you're afraid of losing friends, like, don't stress it, because in the next life, you think about making it to the celestial kingdom and seeing them there, I'm like, you know, that would be great when I was like five. No, from the age of like four to like now, okay? I like always draw these pictures of like this paradise on like an island or in the mountains with all of my friends there, right? Love it. That's heaven to me. And then my dad said that. He was like, imagine like all these people being there in heaven. And I was like, that would be great. He's like, and they're there with their spouses, and you're like, that would be great. That'd be so cool. You're just happy to see them there, you know? And then I'm like, I was thinking about it, I was like, you know? 
if they're not the one and they married somebody else, it's like, you know, I almost dated my sister. Like, you know, like, that's weird. And so then suddenly you're like, okay, it's okay. You know, we'll see if it works out great. And if it doesn't, that's okay because there's somebody else's wife. And I'll meet them again in the celestial kingdom with their family. You know, and I don't know if that helps you guys. But man, that helped me so much. I was like, it's okay. Don't live your life. It definitely helped me in the past too, though. Like having that eternal perspective. All these people in the audience are like, you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> no, seriously though, having an eternal perspective definitely helps because I mean, if we can see things the way God does, then we're gonna feel more like He does, which is perfectly at peace and happiness, right? Um, let's see. So the next one, what was it? I guess no there. It's right. fear of losing freedom. Okay, that one. Can I jump in? Go ahead. I'm ready. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about the fear of losing freedom. How many have ever experienced the fear of losing some form of freedom to a relationship? Okay, significant amount of people, right? It's kind of scary. You're like, if I commit to this person, then guess what? I'm going to just have to do whatever he wants to do or she wants to do. I really like my schedule. You know, I'm like, I don't want to have to change what I love about my life to just, like, go hang out with this person all the time. Like, I want to be able to do what I do, and I want to go meet people, and I want to go do things. And that's fine. But you have to know why. Why is losing freedom scary, right? For some people, it's like it's scary because they had a terrible relationship in the past. That's one of those limiting beliefs that says relationships equate to a loss of freedom. Because guess what? You lost freedom. And it was awful. It was terrible. It was not my favorite thing in the world. So how about let's not do that again? And as you start moving towards the actual fantastic, amazing, stellar relationship, then it's like, no. Put on the brakes. Turn around. I don't want to go there because guess what? Last time I was there, then I lost a ton of freedom, and it turns you around, right? It might be that you saw a bad example of relationships. You might have seen somebody like maybe parents or an uncle or siblings or just great friends who have been in relationships who suddenly lose all their freedom. And so then, since that becomes the template to the brain, it's like that's what's going to happen again. And I don't want that to happen again. And so I'm just going to avoid relationships because... To me, man, it's just not worth the loss of freedom. As Peter and I were talking about this one, and we were trying to nail down, what's, what's the lie? Okay, what's the truth that sets us free from that? The lie with this one is obviously that like relationships equate to captivity, or you know, loss of freedom in softer terms. Uh, and we're like, okay, is that true? Well, you know, not really. I mean, even if you get married, you still have your agency. Your freedom's still perfectly intact. The truth, the first truth we thought of is the fact that you now it just means that you've chosen to consider someone else with a lot of your decisions and your schedule and stuff. And that's a choice that you, you made and you stick with. But it's perfectly within the bounds of your freedom, right? So that was the first the first uh, step. And then Peter took it a level deeper like he always does. And uh, yeah, started to talk about like more of the kind of perspective again, which is way cool. Okay, here's the here's the question that I wanted to ask, and that is if it's a loss of freedom, it's a loss of freedom to do what? And does that actually matter? How much does that matter? You know, maybe you're 16 and you just started dating, and you should just go around and date tons of people and meet a lot of people and figure out what's good for you. You know, but some people are to a point where they probably should, well, you can do whatever you want. But if you want to have a happy relationship and you're holding yourself back because of that, and you have to consider why and what's going on. Because God 
wants us to be happy. Satan wants us to be in captivity. And if Satan wants us to be in captivity, then the opposite of that is that God wants us to be free. God also says it's not good for man or women to be alone, right? He instituted marriage. It's important. It's essential. It's happy, right? This is called the plan of happiness, right? It's not the plan so that somebody loses their freedom by committing to somebody for the rest of eternity, <laughs> right? It's the plan of happiness. So to some degree, if Satan wants us to be captive, God wants us to be free, Satan wants us to be isolated, God wants us to find an eternal partner, then this is so doctrine, because that means that relationships equate to freedom. Relationships done God's way are one of the most freeing things you can do. You're free to connect deeper than you've ever connected. You're free to create what you've never been able to create. And it's freeing because you get to, hey, and this is my perspective, you've got to hang out with your best friend all the time. You know what I mean? How many of you have been in a relationship, not necessarily a marriage, but a relationship where that person was your best friend? You're like, this is great. You're just so stoked. You get to talk to your best friend every single day. And the best part is that you get to talk to them and they understand you and they understand you deeply. They know what you've been through, right? I remember my last breakup. I went and I shot this crazy wedding right after me. Like a crazy wedding. Like everybody was high. All of the people were high. It was tie-dye suits, right? There were tie-dye suits. Her dress was tie-dye. It was the biggest hippie, like, like hippies, like real hippies. Like he had the fro. They hadn't showered in weeks. It was insane. They pulled up in a van that they had been living in for the last eight years. Like I'm not even exaggerating at all. Everybody was in tie-dye except for me because I wear blue and black and white, and that's all I have. <laughs> and. And as soon as I was leaving the wedding, I was like, I had a headache, not my favorite thing in the world, but I, I was like, I got to call so-and-so because she's the only person that would actually understand how hysterical this is, that this just happened. And then I did it because I was desperate to get my like, photography business going. You know what I mean? It's that crazy, but the thing is, is that we want to connect. And when you truly connect in God's way to a best friend, it's liberating. Yeah. The old uh, African proverb you probably heard is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So the freedom to go far, even into eternity, right? Relationships in God's way equal the most amount of freedom that's, you know, that ever existed. Um, so that was a really cool realization to come to as we, as we hammered out that one. Okay. And now, okay, I don't want to distract from the, like, direction we're going in. But we wanted to take you guys into consideration because there are no backs to these benches. So everybody just take a moment, stand up. <laughs> stand up, move around. Whatever you got to do. Holy jumping jacks, some stretches. This is kind of like an intermission, but we don't want anybody to like leave because getting everybody back is like a hassle, you know what I mean? But there is pizza. That's what you're thinking, right? Yeah, dude, you can hand out pizza. Is that okay, Alex? Guys, can we have a slice of pizza? If you everybody want. come grab a piece of pizza, except for Brooke. <laughs> have another piece of pizza on me. <laughs> okay, I'm really excited to finally tell them what the acronym is. Okay, listen. <laughs> hey, Angie. Come back. Listen, Angie. I can't do this without you. <laughs> it's true. She's always here. That's what we call a limiting belief. <laughs> I'm about to do a seminar and Angie's not there, and I'm like, I don't run. <laughs> 
just my natural musk. Thank you, Ashton. Okay. Also, thank you again, Rachel, for playing with my dog. Who's ready? Who feels great? Hi. So, so, where's your brother? Gosh dang it, Joshua. Joshua, okay. This is why we're never doing an intermission again. Okay, but if everybody feels rejuvenated, you feel good, you're feeling stoked, you're feeling hyped, as big as Andy's, Angie's smile. Andy? Would that be your name if you were a boy? That's cool. <laughs> like Kristen and Carson. There you go. Okay, we're ready. Hopping right into it. Hey, back at it. Um, so we talked about the fear of missing out. Right? How many people have felt the fear of missing out? Right? How many of you consider that you have FOMO? How many of you flaunt the fact that you think you have FOMO? Yeah. <laughs> Some people are like... <laughs> right? We're going to be talking about FOMO-bo, which is a lot of fun. Say it with me, right? FOMO-bo, right? Which is the fear of missing out on a better option. Fear of missing out on a better opportunity. Yeah, this first came to my mind when I was coaching a client a couple of years ago, and he was like, yeah, like, things are good as far as finding people I want to date. They seem to like, want to date me, but I'm stuck with this, this feeling of FOMO-bo. And uh, I realized it's really similar to the fear of um, being too picky, right? The whole idea that it's like, well, if I start dating this person, what if my spouse comes along and I can't do anything for the money and committed relationship, right? It's a real thing. Um, and so here's two tools that we want to offer you um, to help you uh, have a, a vision. You know, we talked about vision at the very beginning with the mountains, right? Where, where there's no vision, the people perish. Um, and it takes some preparation to have a vision. And if you are prepared, you shall not fear, right? You can overcome a lot of those limiting beliefs that are fierce. So, two things um, that I want to share with you, two things of value that I learned while I was doing my internship with uh, Lisa Goodwin-Snell. Um, she's a dating coach in Salt Lake and used to be a marriage funding therapist. Anyway, these are two of the things that she taught me. Um, you can learn more about them on her on her website, it's uh, Lasting Love Academy. Um, super good stuff. Anyway, first thing is the analogy of the shopper, which is super fitting because President Nelson gave a talk uh, called Celestial Marriage, where he talked about how um, finding a spouse is like shopping in some ways, which is cool, um, because it makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at it this way. There's three different uh, types of mindsets, kind of general groups of mindsets that we have when it comes to looking for a spouse. Um, and the first one is the browser. The second one is the window shopper. And the third one is the buyer. So the browser actually goes into the store and they start thumbing through the racks and they're looking at clothes and different things they might want to buy. But their problem is summable. They're like, this is pretty cool. I kind of I like it. What's at the next store? I'm going to go check it out. Right? I only have a dollar fifty. okay? <laughs> <laughs> keep going and going. So that's the first mindset. The second one is the window shopper, where people are walking along the sidewalk, and they're, they're not really sure of what they want either, kind of like the browser. And they're just kind of looking in the windows, not even taking a whole lot of time to like examine options, and they're kind of just waiting for something to wow them into buying it. And the problem is with this, this philosophy is that this can be some of the reasons that people go through divorce so soon is because in the shopper analogy, they're experiencing buyer's remorse. They didn't really 
take thorough time to um, decide which characteristics are important for them, which characteristics make a good fit for them, the lifestyle they want to have, the family they want to create, right? So um, that's the window shopper. And uh, then the third one is the buyer. A buyer examines their options thoroughly. They acknowledge the fact that no product is completely flawless and indestructible, right? Everything's got its flaws and its weaknesses. Um, so they acknowledge that. There's kind of, you know, there's always going to be a few cons with everything you buy, but they nail down what's the most important to them, right? As a simple example, let's say jeans, right? I remember when I first started buying American Eagle stretchy jeans. And I was like, man, they're amazing. <laughs> Ultra flex. I was like, oh, I can play frisbee in these. Anyway, I nailed down the fact that, like, okay, having something that fits well, that stretches, are my, like, most important things. If they're slightly less breathable because, you know, there's all this elastic in them, that's okay. That's not quite So long as they stretch, okay? Yep. Mm -hmm. Way more important for me. So that's an example, right, of becoming, becoming the buyer, where you're like, this is what's important. If this is a downside, totally fine, I can live with that. That's the, the buyer's mentality. And here's what happens. The buyer, they go look for exactly what they want. When they find it, they make their purchase, and they're happy with it. They never look back because they already knew what the options were. Right? They already nailed it down. So um, that's where the list comes into play. Five, six, seven is what we're going to call it. Um, the five and six combined together make 11 things that you're looking for in future stocks. And the seven things are the give to God list, where you realize that nobody's perfect, and so you get to decide what goes in every section, um, and here's what happens. Uh, this is a tool, by the way. It's not, it's not something that you're like constantly stressing about. And you're like, oh, it's got to be on there. It's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna be a characteristic for my future spouse. It's a tool that helps us be realistically picky. Makes sense? Because <laughs> this is eternity we're talking about. We need to be selective is, is a much better word. It's much more intentional, much more faithful. So um, the top five, they're must-haves. These are the things that they've got to have all five of these down. You decide what they are, like I said. But if you find yourself dating someone who doesn't have the most important top five things, you might be settling, right? So that's, that's the first thing that I would encourage you to do is fill out a top five, must-haves, um, and they've got to be the most important. Here's a couple of examples of things you could put in the top five. Uh, the dating coach that I interned with, Lisa Goodman-Snell, noticed that in every broken marriage she counseled before she became a dating coach, they all lacked um, some of three main qualities. Empathy, self-control, and taking personal responsibility for actions. So those three things, empathy, self-control, and taking personal responsibility for actions. ESP is what she would use. Um, huge, right? And the, the crazy thing is, is those attributes, they've done studies, are way harder for people to develop after their brain's fully developed. Age of 21 for women, age of 25 for men. So you're too late. Sorry. <laughs> you still can, right? I'm just kidding. You can't, it's okay. But the reason we say that is because it's not ever a good idea to marry someone hoping that they are going to develop one of these important qualities. They need to, they need to figure it out before them, right? So there you go. Those are three examples. The other two that were on my top two were chemistry, both in the personality area and the physical area, and then being on the same page with God, like commitment to God, right? Those are my top five. Then down here, 
The next six are a work in progress. So these are things that they also have, but maybe they just don't quite have them down all the way yet. They're still working on it, right? Financially stable. Maybe they've got a couple student loans, but while they're in school, they're working a job trying to pay them off as fast as they can. Right? There's an example on that one. Um, and like I said, you need to decide what's in these and what's most important to you and what's what's the work in progress. I like this one because it's flexible and acknowledges that we're all humans just striving to be a little bit better every day. Okay. This one can be a little bit tricky to fill out. This is the gift of God list. These are the things that you're not looking for that you would be you choose to give to God and let him teach you how to live with. Um, let him teach you how to be okay with. Uh, if all these other things are, are there. Because wow, like they've got all these blow you away, right? That's awesome. So if there's a couple things that it's like, oh maybe that's not like my favorite, but it's it's fine. Like she's she's awesome, like he's awesome. Examples of things in this area are things like um, maybe they're divorced and they've got a couple kids. Like that that's that's an extra challenge in starting a marriage. But is it a bad thing? No. Not necessarily, right? It's just maybe a little bit different than what you were looking for. And so maybe you put that down here because you weren't necessarily looking for it, but um, you choose to, like, you know, like, work it out. Put it down out. Um, maybe, let's see, maybe there's some physical things there. For me, I put, if she's like an inch, I totally mean, I can handle that. Totally handle that. Peter had a whole different philosophy on this. We talked about it earlier. Where did Olivia Nighting go? Where did she? Gosh dang it, Kay, the other day I asked her on a date, and she was like, I was like, this is what we should do, which is taller than me, right? I said, I want you to wear the tallest high heels you have, right? Just all out, right? And if there's a girl that I match with on mutual, who's taller than me, I'm like, the biggest heels, wear them. Because I'm like, listen, I already lost the war. <laughs> I might as well just like accept it and let her just do whatever she wants. You know what I mean? Because I dated a girl who was taller than me, and she didn't wear heels at all. And she loved heels. I had no idea, but she like sacri- she like hid them all from herself. And I remember the day she she and I broke up, she wore these like like seven or eight inch heels. <laughs> like crazy tall, and I was like. Okay. <laughs> I get it. We're super done. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. But no, so I learned from that. I was like, it's okay. It's fine. So that's Just give me a ladder. <laughs> that's definitely one that you could put in this area. A couple of other ideas that maybe for some people could be in the gift to God list are things like medical conditions. Right? Um, maybe they've got some severe allergies or other physical um, struggles. Um and that one's really interesting because this is cool. This opens your mind when you're considering people to take out. It opened my mind when I start first like build this out and like started to have it on mind as I was asking people on dates, like back in the middle of college. Here's what happened. I was in the hallway, um, this was like four years ago, and I see this girl. I'm like, oh, she's sitting in a wheelchair um, next to the classroom. I was getting lunch, and I go sit down to like study for a second before I get in to the test or whatever. And I was, like my first thought was like, oh, she's cute. She's got a pretty smile. My second thought was like, oh, my kid in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like scratches out through them. And then immediately my mind is like, wait a second, like hold up. <laughs> like he's barely filled out this list. If she's got all of those other eleven things down, resurrection, and we're good to go. <laughs> 
Like, that's totally something I could give to God. You know what I mean? Like, if she's, if she's a dream girl, like, why not ask her out? And so I went over and talked to her, and we went on several dates. Super awesome girl, and we stayed super good friends. Like, it didn't end up being, like, the perfect fit as far as, you know, progressing on, but, like, awesome friend. Um, so it's cool. I was going to say, does she get translated into Allison, or, like... Translating. <laughs> 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 anyway, so this, this is such a helpful thing. If you are prepared, you shall not fear, right? So helpful in overcoming the fear of missing out on a better option. You become a buyer, right? And... You become realistically picky, and it's way easier to be sure of what the vision is. The thing is, every single time we're like talking, I'm talking with a client, I'm like, you have to establish exactly what it is that you're looking for, right? And the deeper you can define what you're looking for, the easier it is to make decisions, right? If you can clearly define the goal, then navigating through the limiting beliefs and navigating through the anxieties and the problems and the trials not only becomes easier, but it becomes worth it, right? If you know where you're going, then it makes a difference, right? And I've referenced, I've never seen Alice in Wonderland, but I know the line from the Cheshire Cat when she asks, which path should I take? He says, where are you going? Because I don't know. And he's like, well, then any, the, any path will do, right? And I think that that's kind of how it is in dating with the people. And that's not necessarily the problem in Utah. <laughs> because the, all of us have the pickiness side, but some people haven't defined what they want at all, and so they end up with what they have, right? And they do that with their jobs, they do that in business, they do that in school, and they do that with relationships, right? It's important to establish the vision. Oh my goodness, hello, what a beautiful dress. <laughs> we started late on purpose for you. Um, does that make sense though? If you clearly define the, the vision, you clearly define the fish in the sea. There's a lot of fish in the sea. No. If you clearly define the vision, then it makes it worth it. You understand the trials. You, it makes more sense that you'd be, it, you'd be moving forward and despite the difficulties. Does that make sense? The other thing is, this allows you to know what you want and look for what you want without being too picky, without being overly picky. You only get that many, <laughs> right? <laughs> if somebody's like, well, they have to do this and this and this and this and this and all this, and I, they better do this, and they just keep going, and it's like, guess what? Sorry, buddy. doesn't fit on that list. If you find it great, stellar, but don't force it. Because, and for those of you who were at a couple seminars ago, three, four, I don't know, we talked about two different sections, right? We talked about two different towels that we laid on the ground. I was like, look, this is who I am. This is what I've built. This is my personality. These are the things that I'm striving for. This is who I am, right? And she's over here, and this is who she's built. This is the life she's chosen to live and who she's decided to be, right? And if this doesn't match up with this, don't go out with them. And if it doesn't match up, then don't manipulate. Don't I need to stay here on my side. I need to live my life and be who I need to be. I need to be the best that I can be. And I can't go over here and say, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what the example could be. You know what I mean? Just don't manipulate somebody to be something that they're not because you think that they need to fit your narrative. Don't do that. If they don't fit, don't force somebody to be something else. Just move on because guess what? There are lots of fish in the sea. That's the whole story. Okay. Right. Um, 
one quick thing with that analogy, if you've heard that podcast or you came to that seminar where we had the, the two different towels, it's like the life you've been building, and then it's like, well, you don't need to try and crash them. You mesh them together, build something new right in between. Um, Allison afterwards, she was like, it's like a castle. You're building your own game, and you find someone else who's a good fit, and you build the courtyard that connects them. I was like, ooh, I like that. That's very cool. Anyway, kind of a fun analogy. Um, if you didn't hear that podcast episode, or you didn't come to that seminar. We don't know which one it is. Just go listen to them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. And then uh, we were going to talk about settling a little bit. So that's another real fear. We have a fear of settling sometimes. And sometimes that's a real temptation as well. Um, has anyone ever felt that a little bit when you're feeling a bit down? It's like, maybe I should just, maybe I'm being too picky and I should just, you know, date the next person that's interested. <laughs> um, here's, here's a couple interesting points with that. Um, sometimes we feel that way and um, it's because we've been working a lot on ourselves and um, we're doing pretty well and it almost feels like we just shrank our dating pool because we're living these high standards and we've got some pretty important characteristics on our list, right? And it's like, man, where are all the people that that fit this, right? Um, and here's, here's the thing. Um, God, so many times when I felt that way, would bring someone into my life, um, maybe it was even just one date, and I would always be blown away. I was like, wow, you've got incredible standards. Wow, like so many things that I'm looking for. And the Spirit's like, she's not your wife. And I'd be like, and my first thought a lot of times is like, dang it, why? Why did you? And he's like, to prove they still exist, okay? Stop giving up hope. <laughs> Don't settle, right? Um, and so that was like, that was really heartwarming for me when, when that inspiration came. And I know that it's true. Like sometimes that's the reason God brings amazing people into our lives that we don't click with on a beginning level is to give us hope that like amazing people still exist that have awesome lifestyles that we can connect with. Fantastic. Here's the thing, is that when we're talking about pickiness, guys, there is something that is too picky. I used to think I was like, this is eternity we're talking about. You can be as picky as you want. There's no such thing as picky, right? But the thing is, is that there are so many different examples of people who don't commit to a person. They commit to an idea of a person, right? For example, if somebody decides that they need to be with the most beautiful person they've ever seen in their life, no, like, if we, have, if we decide, like, I need to be with the most beautiful person I've ever seen, ever, then they're going to date the most beautiful person that they, or they won't, maybe, <laughs> top luck, buddy, but no, like, if they're dating the person that they think is the most beautiful, over time they're going to become used to that person, right? They're going to see somebody else and they're going to think, oh, that's the most beautiful person. And suddenly they feel anxious in their own relationship and they don't feel good and they leave. That's when cheating happens. That's when adultery or all those things. Those things are so wrong, right? This happens all the time by worldly standards, people that just are so committed to the wrong thing. And this happens, we say this is a better version, but it's still not. It's being committed not to them being the most beautiful person, but make sure you commit to the person who you connect with the most. Right? And we sound, we're like, why is that a bad thing? Of course we need to commit to the person that we connect with the most. Who are we going to commit to? 
that becomes dangerous because guess what? If it's a relationship and a relationship worth being in, there are going to be specific moments, specific times when there are, what do we call them, intense fellowships? I don't know, like, when there are heated discussions, right? Or moments of tension, right? And suddenly you're going to think, oh, well, I must not connect to them as much as I thought I did, right? Oh, but so-and-so at work, I connect with them, we talk every day, and it's great, they're going through something way similar. You see where this leads. This is dangerous, guys. It's not healthy. Once you've made a decision, and uh, obviously this applies more to marriage, and I know you're not married, I get it. But like, if you've made a decision, make the decision and make it right. Make the decision right. Do what you can. Put in the work, right? If you are still just in the dating pool, you're dating somebody, and then they suddenly change drastically, Move forward. Move on. Right? I want to jump back to this because I jump back to this all the time. Here's the thing is that so many of us have bought into these ideas that relationships equate to pain, that I don't want to lose my freedom. I don't want to go through another heartbreak. I've been through too many heartbreaks. I can't handle another one. Right? And if you have that mentality, then guess what? That means the next person that you date had better be your spouse. No pressure on anybody, right? And that's way hard. Don't do that, right? You're like terrified of losing friends. You're like, guess what? Okay, so let's say I'm struggling with the fear of going through another breakup, right? I'm like, I just don't want to go through another breakup. I can't go through another breakup. Can't. Then I meet somebody stellar, and we start moving forward. We're progressing. We're doing great. And I'm hyped. But then, in the back of my mind, it's sitting there nagging. It's like, I'm just going to go through another breakup. Like this person hates you now, you know what I mean? Like you've been blocked on all social media for existing, like you know what I mean? And you're just like, right, I don't want to go through that. And if that's sitting there, that's gonna sabotage you from actually achieving the things that you want. We've talked about the conscious versus the subconscious mind, right? I referred to the book The Ant and the Elephant. If an ant represents the conscious mind, then the elephant would represent the subconscious mind. The conscious mind fires at like 2,000 neurons a second. You're like, ooh, I don't know what that means. That sounds like a lot, right? And then you realize that the subconscious mind is firing at over 2 million, 2 billion? What is it? I don't know. It's a lot, <laughs> right? It's literally like an ant sitting on top of an elephant trying to tell it where to go and trying to direct the thing. So if I consciously want to reach my goal, if I consciously want to get married and have a happy, fantastic, awesome, stellar, fantastic relationship and subconsciously I'm sitting here like I can't move forward because if I start into another relationship then I'm going to go through another breakup. Relationships always end in breakups because that's the only template that I've ever had in my entire mind. Right? My whole life. Guess what? Every relationship I've ever been in has ended in a breakup. Right? <laughs> Does that make sense though? Guys, then we start to get bitter. We start to get bitter against ourselves. We start to get bitter against the opposite gender. We start to get bitter against God. We hold them accountable. We blame them for the things that we've been through. We resent them. We resent ourselves. And then we realize that we're doing this. We come to a seminar and they're like, guess what? It's because of your own self-limiting beliefs that you're holding yourself back and sabotaging your own happiness in life. And you're like, oh my gosh, and then you go home and you're mad at yourself. That's not healthy. Guys, here's the truth of things, right? If your mind, babe, 
This is interesting. Your mind works so hard to be correct. It works so hard to be right all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know who it was. He was a, he was a hockey player, and they asked him, they were, like, they were like, who is Nelson Mandela? And he's like, he's like, Nelson Mandela is like, he was like one of the greatest athletes of our generation. Like, he was absolutely incredible at, at pretty much any sport he picked up, especially hockey. Like, he just, like, he's why I play hockey. <laughs> and it's so obvious this man has to go, ooh, who Nelson Mandela is? He has no idea, right? And it's just a funny video. You can look it up. But he's, like, talking about how many points that Nelson Mandela scored in hockey. Anyway, our brains hate being wrong. It's hard to admit when we're wrong. And if we sit here and say, every relationship ends in a breakup. Every relationship ends in a breakup. You better believe your mind is going to do anything and everything within its power to prove that idea correct. Because if it's not correct, then that means it's wrong. And nobody likes being wrong. It's much easier to sabotage the relationship and make it end in a breakup than it is to admit that you were wrong and you're allowed to be happy. Does that make sense? So what I would say, and we talk about coaching all the time, guys, we want to help people. That's why we're trying to put these on. It's hard to like, with my clients, I love to identify exactly what these limiting beliefs are. What are they? What's holding you back? What's making you anxious? If it's in finance, they're just sitting there and they're like, I don't know. I can only make this much money a month. And then I just plateaus. I don't know. What's wrong with you? Why can't I make more sales? Why can't I do more in business? Why can't I do this? And it's because oh, wow, I grew up with this belief that money is the root of all evil, that having money is selfish, right? Why can't I get relationships to work? Why can't I find anybody? Why can't I have this chemistry? Why? And you realize, oh, my gosh, it's because my brain believes that every relationship equates to a breakup, that it's painful, that it's supposed to be painful. It's not. And then we get these stronger beliefs. After a while, like I said, sometimes when we go through these kinds of things, we develop these subtle beliefs like, life sucks, right? Or, life is hard. Life's a struggle. Life's meant to be a struggle. You'd be crazy amazed at how often I address these things because those are the kinds of things that we adopt. If we don't know where we're going, then life is a struggle. Right? So this is what I would recommend to all of you, right? Do these things. These things help. These are tools. But if you can't get your mindset right, it's not going to help all that much. You can write down all of these things, and then in your mind's eye, it's going to say, yeah, but even if I meet that person, guess what? It's not going to work because every time I've ever been with anybody, even if they're that good or better, I ruin it for myself. Right? So get your mind right. Try and identify the beliefs that you bought into understand what you're actually thinking when it comes to relationships and help change your thinking. Because the truth of the matter is that God is very, very invested in our success in this matter. This is his work and his glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, right? He wants us to be happy. It is not good that man be alone or women be alone. It's so essential. And it's the plan of happiness. He's ready. He's there for you. He loves you. And the truth of the matter is, is that as soon as you can get your mind to believe that, if you can get your mind to believe that you deserve the best of the best, then guess what? The limiting beliefs don't hold you back. They propel you forward. 
If you genuinely believe that you are an awesome, stellar, worthy human being who's worthy of love, who's worthy of being cared for, then you're going to find somebody who genuinely cares about you and genuinely treats you the way that you deserve to be treated. Any other quote? Someone who's in the audience. Brooke always says, there's only one rule. Keep the spirit. Keep the spirit. And that's so true. When it comes to, when it comes to like everything Peter just said, a couple of things that have helped us be able to identify limiting beliefs and resolve them are things like this. If we're feeling off, we're not feeling good because we feel like we just ran into a limiting belief and it hurt, and we're trying to figure out what it is, the first question that like Allison and I often ask each other, or Peter and I, is what does this remind you of? What experience does this remind you of in the past? And oftentimes, if we revisit a negative experience in the past, maybe a, a previous relationship, a breakup, it's like, okay, well, how did that feel? And we start to talk through it, all of a sudden, this limiting belief jumps out. And it's like slightly twisted, kind of like the relationship's equal pain. And it's like, oh, that's what I need to change. We've talked about this in previous seminars, but that's, that's where the, the work comes in of choosing to believe something differently. And all of a sudden, the limit goes away. And it's like, Oh, I feel peace again. I feel great. Right? The spirit, the spirit, like, will help us with that. Uh, we have stewardship over ourselves and personal revelation. Right? That's something that God wants to give us so that we can align more, more correctly with truth. One other thing, the spirit will help us. That's the overall rule when it comes to choosing who you want to progress with in a relationship. Um, one last experience on my side that I want, that I want to share that gave me a lot of hope. I was sitting down in the UVU, Utah Valley University Institute of Religion basement um, one day doing homework, and it was like later in the evening, and my favorite teacher in the world comes down the steps, um, and her name is Sister Scoresby now, it was Sister Terry. Uh, and this is a woman who came back from serving a faithful mission, became an EFY counselor, was on the BYU Ball and Dance team, um, ended up... Uh, starting a career as a seminary teacher, and then became an institute teacher. When I first met her after my mission, taking the return missionary success class, she was still single at 52. Super close friends with Elder Oak's wife, Chris McMain. They were both single into their 50s. And um, anyway, she had just gotten married at this point when she came down the stairs. So the man were dreams. Like, I got to see the wedding video. She invited me to the reception. So happy. Like, so cool. Their story's awesome. Anyway, here's what happened. She comes down the stairs, and I'm like, hey, like, how are you? Congratulations. Um, and uh, she's like, God, my things are awesome. She tells me a little bit about being married and um, some of her in-laws and stuff. And uh, then she could tell I was a little bit down, and she's like, she's like, how are things for you? How are things going with dating and everything? And I was like, <laughs> and I gave some sort of answer that was like, trying to be optimistic, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and she said, hey, Number one, I'm surprised by your timing. Number two, don't you dare settle. She said, I don't care if it takes you 30 years, like it took me 30 years. It was worth it. It is worth it to come home to a man that I'm crazy about that's sitting there reading the Liahona with soft piano music playing, and our home is full of light, and it's full of peace, and it's full of spirit, and we're equally yoked. And he loves me, and I loves, I loved him, and we ascend together. I was just like, thank you. <laughs> that, temptation, that temptation is real when we're feeling down. When we just crash into a limiting belief, it's tempting to just like give up a lot of hope, right? Um, but don't do it. 
This is eternity we're talking about. We can be free to create and build so many awesome things in this life and for eternity if we choose to follow the Spirit and we choose to make sure that um, yeah, to make sure that we're finding the fit that God intends. Thanks for coming. <laughs> we're going to take a couple of questions. If you guys have any questions, feel free. Now is the time. We'll have like probably 10 minutes. Anybody have any thoughts, questions about... No, not thoughts. Just questions. <laughs> yes, Lindsay. You're in. Yeah. Yeah, so number six on the five, six, seven list is the work in progress. So five are must-haves, things you want. Six are also things you want, but they're work in progress. So they're things that the person um, has, but maybe they don't have down all the way yet. Like they're working on it's It's clear that, like, they've got it, but they're, they're still working on it, right? Like the example I gave was um, being financially stable. Maybe... Um, they do have some, some debt, right? Some student loans, and they're still in school, but they're not just like living off the loans and kind of carefree nilly-willy. They're working the job as well and starting to pay them off as they go, right? So you can tell it's a work in progress. They're not financially stable completely yet, but like it's a work in progress. That makes sense? Yeah. Positive things you're looking for, huh? The must-haves are things you're looking for. The work in progress are things you're looking for, um, just to different degrees of like how well they have them down. Make sense? Awesome. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it depends on what you put in there, honestly. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's one of those cases for the spirit. Um, but ultimately, I think that if you've got that filled in with things that the Spirit confirms, like, you got to have, I would say no. I mean, marriage is hard enough as it is when it comes to communicating and understanding each other and working, like, making really critical decisions. You don't need to have extra issues in the most important areas. I was talking to somebody the other day, friend, and he was like, he's like, what about tennis? And I was like... Expound. What about tennis? <laughs> he's like, um, he's like, well, would tennis be in this one? I was like, well, that depends on how important it is that they play tennis with you. He's like, that makes sense. I'm like, because it's never going to be in mine because I played tennis once and there is a there's a tennis ball somewhere in the middle of Mexico City outside the NTC wall, right? And it depends on for you. How important is each one? If you meet somebody that fulfills all but the fifth, it's only on you to know. We can't say, yeah, do it, you know? And then it turns out that they're, I don't know, not temple worthy because they have a drinking problem. I don't know, you know what I mean? It's like, that depends on you. How important are those five things for you? I personally call these non-negotiables, right? This is non-negotiable. We listened to a talk by um, Elder Uthdorf in which he talks about his process of learning English. How difficult it was to learn English. He was like, it doesn't work for my mouth. It doesn't. I don't know what's wrong, but it doesn't work. And until it became a non-negotiable. He's like, I want to fly planes. That's a non-negotiable. In order to fly planes, you need to speak English. Oh, okay. And then he was able to learn English because that's what motivated him. 
right? These are the things that are non-negotiables. This applies to literally everything. What is non-negotiable in your life? These are the principles you live by and the principles that you look for. Does that make sense? Great question. Eva. Um, so with the must-haves, would you say that you should not date someone if they don't have your must-haves, or you date them to find out if they do have your must-haves? That's a good question. I, in my opinion, you can figure out, like, you can get a pretty good idea if they've got, you know, five characteristics while you're just going on dates. Um, but in my opinion, if you find yourself dating someone who doesn't have the top five, you're settling. Those are those are your biggest things. Those are the things like that are most important to you, and if the spirits confirmed it to God too. Does that answer your question? Kind of. I would say go on dates to figure somebody out. That's why we go on dates, right? Because we don't like. You can't, you remember, okay, so I'm good friends with Eva. Eva and I, we knew each other for what, like seven or eight months before we actually like hung out. And then we started hanging out and we were like, you're so freaking cool. And then we hung out again. It was like, you're so cool for these reasons too. And then we hung out again. It was like, oh my gosh. Right. And so the thing is, is that the more you spend time with somebody, the more you're going to learn about them. If you're not sure if they fulfill your top five and you think they might, I can't. Go on dates with them. If they fulfill your top five, go for it. Choose your shot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let, let, let me, uh, yeah, let me fix something that I said. I think that if you get engaged and you're headed toward marriage with someone, then you're settling. But sometimes the spirit does like indicate that it's a good idea to date someone because of what you learn, what they learn. And sometimes that's the case, right? Maybe they've got, you know, most of them, one of them they don't, and you're just like, well, I still feel right about dating them. I'm going to, and you know, I keep following the spirit. I'm going to I just remember this now because I have like one of my must haves, and I'm like, I've been going, spending a lot of time with this guy, and I can't figure out if he has it, but he's also very Knowing you, Eva, someday you're just gonna like grab him by the face and be like, "Tell me if you have this trait." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good question. Does that make sense? Yeah. Got your back on that. Ashtonio. Totally. Yeah. Never. She's <laughs> uh, <laughs> gonna be a race car driver because I made it when I was five. Okay. <laughs> Now, this is definitely, like I said, it's not it's not a set in stone you decide. You know, it's a tool, right? And therefore, it's it's wonderful to go back and update it because we learn something new about ourselves and what we're looking for with every relationship and every date we go on. So, great point. Three years ago, I definitely would have had a completely different list than the list now. You know what I mean? So, things change. You change. You become a better person, so you're looking for a better person. Yeah, 100%. I'd recommend asking people who are married that have the kind of relationship you'd like to have, what what they recommend you put on the list. Because it's a different ballgame, like, as far as your viewpoint after you're married. And I can say this from personal experience now, like, yeah, it's, your priorities shift a little bit. Like, things that were like, oh yeah, that's pretty important before being married, all of a sudden are like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad, so glad I married someone who has that. So that's another recommendation I'd offer. I just thought of something completely 
I was just like, what if people in this audience like go up to each other after and they're like, so do I. I think it's your last This sounds really desperate. I'm about, I don't, I'm not coming to the next seminar. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Speaking of the next event though, next Thursday, we're going to be kicking off our Dancing Uplifted event which will be happening every week, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to have the fire tables outside. We're going to have games at the very beginning for the first hour. You get in, um, like, for half price if you come for that first hour. And uh, DJ Chase Worthen from Uplifted Entertainment will be there. And we're going to have Tecano-styled grilled pineapple. So that will be on the, Facebook, on the Facebook page, actually. And uh, we're going to be doing that every week. So tell your friends, the goal is to... Um, get a social experience up and running that just continues to provide lots of awesome new friends to make in an uplifting environment where connections happen supernaturally. And pineapple. That's it. Okay, guys, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate you. We'll have another seminar probably on the 22nd. It will be announced. Yeah, likely on Tuesdays from now on since dances on Thursdays. Yep. Thanks for coming.